You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 139. Today's reading is from Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 21. The Lord said, No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a vessel, or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand, that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hid that shall not be made manifest, nor anything secret that shall not be known and come to light. Take heed then how you hear, for to him who has will more be given, and from him who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach for him for the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside, desiring to see you. But he said to them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Today's reading immediately follows the parable of the sower in Luke 8. And the opening verse where uh, Jesus refers to the lighting of the lamp seems fairly clear uh, to me in its meaning. But Father, is there anything that you would add here or think needs uh, clarification for us? Yeah, I think there is some clarification that would be helpful. I, I think a lot of people ask the question. It's a good and reasonable question. How do we square what Jesus said here about lighting a lamp and not covering it, but rather putting it on a stand so that others may see the light with what he says elsewhere? Because elsewhere, Jesus tells us when you pray, Don't do it in front of others, but go close yourself in a closet to pray in secret. And don't fast so that it's noticeable to others, but take care of yourself and don't look worn out. And that if we do our good deeds in front of others for others to see, then we have our reward, namely, we look good to them. But when we do these things in secret, we will have our reward from God in the kingdom, which is to come. So I think the question that many people have is how do we square these two away, where one, Jesus says that we should allow these things to not be covered, but rather to be on a stand where there's light, and on the other hand, he tells us to do things in secret. Yeah, that's a good question. So how would you answer that, Father? Well, as always, context is important. In this case, I think there are two important things to consider. The first is that when Jesus tells us to do things in secret, it's immediately following his condemnation of the Pharisees and any others who specifically want to appear righteous to others. In other words, Jesus is calling them out that their primary motivation is to appear good and righteous in the sight of other people. So their primary concern is not God, but their fellow man. They care about how they appear to others and not so much how they appear to God. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that uh, we should not do good works to impress others, uh, to make them think that we're good Christians. And yet if we're living according to how Jesus taught us to live, we're inevitably going to be doing good works, and people will eventually notice that. Is that correct? Yeah, it is correct, and, and sort of related to that, which is the second point that I wanted to stress, is the fact that we as a Christian community, so looking at Christian churches and communities versus just Christian individuals. If we as communities are doing our work, then people will notice that and they will be attracted to the gospel message. And this is a key point, I believe. We should never be doing anything to attract attention to ourselves. Our works must direct people to the source of everything that is good, which, of course, is God. 
and we should be attracting them to his word, to his message, which is found in the Holy Gospels and Scripture more broadly. That makes a lot of sense, and I like how you stress the difference between attracting attention or glory to ourselves versus attracting the attention to the community, which is itself attracting attention to the gospel message. Is there anything else that you want to mention on this point before we move on? Yeah, there is one more thing I think is important, one of the key distinctions we see with Jesus, one that really is seen throughout all of Scripture. In the Old Testament, it's primarily seen via the prophets. But that distinction is that we attract attention not to us as individuals or even to our communities through emphasizing the liturgical and ascetical practices of our faith. No, instead, we attract attention towards God's Word by the way we treat others, by showing mercy to the poor and needy. This is why people who have listened to me regularly obviously know I do this. It's why I so often repeat this message over and over and over. I believe our tendency today as Christians, whether Orthodox or Catholic or Protestant, our tendency seems to be stressing dogma and worship and piety. Now, obviously, that has its role within the community, but we have to stress even more the way that we interact with others and with society. And in this respect, I see a big difference between how we practice our faith today and how it was practiced even by some we idolize from early Christianity, from what some people consider to be the golden age of Christianity in the 4th century Roman Empire. And what do you mean by that? What are, what are some of the differences that you notice? Well, just take a look at some of the key figures from that time. St. Basil the Great, St. John Chrysostom come to mind. In the case of St. Basil, we often hear today about his theology, his teaching on the Trinity. We sometimes even hear about his monastic teachings, but what I hear less about is St. Basil's views and practices as it relates to social justice and advocacy. But this is extremely important because none of these other things St. Basil talked about, be it monasticism or dogma, can fairly be separated from how he understood his role in society. And to that end, St. Basil is widely regarded as being a founder of the first hospitals, the first place where sick people were gathered and cared for when there was no one else to take care of them. Yet that is arguably his greatest legacy. So my focus is on emphasizing this aspect of St. Basil and how we as the church, as a community, should be looking for systematic opportunities to take care of those in need. Today I think we tend to think in smaller terms. We don't think systematically. We think we can take a collection for this agency or that agency, hand out a bit of money or clothing here and there, and we're being charitable and doing good works. But with St. Basil, we see the possibilities are much greater. We should be looking at systematic solutions, not just putting patches on problems. And then with St. John Chrysostom, we tend to forget the fact that St. John was speaking truth to power. He would call out the emperor, the empress, the wealthy elites of his time right in front of them. And he called them out because of how they ignored the poor. They ignored social justice. Yet today, we see very little, little, if any, of this among Christian leadership. Many times, Christian leaders are in the pockets of the rich and the elites rather than calling them out for stealing from the poor. And by the way, this is critical to me because we have a society now who, by and large, is open to hearing these messages of St. John and St. Basil, and of the gospel, but few people are preaching that message in our Christian communities, so they get it elsewhere. They get it in places with no real grounding, no real systematic approach to ethics like we have in the church due to the ancient scriptural teachings. We have this great treasure to offer people who are searching, but instead 
we tend to focus on external individual piety and liturgics. And again, there's nothing wrong with those per se, but they are not the way the church has historically evangelized. And it's certainly not what Christ was teaching us in today's reading about evangelizing. We evangelize by saints like Basil, building hospitals, caring for those who had no one else to support them. We evangelized by Chrysostom calling out the powerful. And by the way, the same thing happened much more recently in Alaska. St. Herman evangelized Alaska by calling out his fellow Russians for mistreating the natives. And that's what led so many native Alaskans to become Orthodox Christians. It wasn't his own personal external piety or the beautiful services. It was the way he interacted with them, the way he treated them and lifted them up and defended them. Appreciate your words there, Father. And to conclude today, I want to briefly touch on verses 18 and 19, where we read, quote, Take heed then how you hear, for to him who has will more be given, and from him who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away, end quote. This verse sounds very similar to me to the ending of the parable of the talents, which We discussed in detail way back in episode 8, and I highly encourage our hearers to go back and listen to that episode if they've not already. But back in that episode, Father, you explained that the talents are a reference to mercy and not money uh, or our talents are God-given abilities. So are we in the same vein here in today's reading, or is Jesus speaking of something else? Yeah, you're exactly right, Jason. I'm glad you made that connection on your own normally. Jesus is talking about those who have little being given more and vice versa. For example, later in Luke's gospel, we'll hear the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And in that parable, Jesus has Abraham saying, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. So this is usually what we hear Jesus saying, lifting up those who have little and putting down those who have much. But in this case... As with the parable of the talents, Jesus is talking about showing mercy to those who showed great mercy to them. Even more mercy will be shown in the judgment and vice versa. Those who showed little mercy will be shown little mercy on the day of judgment. Thank you, Father. In today's episode, we began by discussing the meaning of Jesus' words when he speaks of lighting a lamp and placing it on a stand for all to see. Father Aaron pointed out that this can seem contrary to what we hear from Jesus when he condemns the Pharisees, telling them to do things in secret. The important distinction here is that we should not focus on doing good works in order to impress others, as did the Pharisees. But if we are living according to how Jesus taught us, we will inevitably do good works, and others will eventually take notice. More importantly, we must examine the work we do in our churches and communities and not just our work as individuals. In doing so, our works done in community will ultimately direct people to the source of everything that is good, attracting them to his message, which is found in the Holy Gospels. And this attraction to God's word does not primarily come from the liturgical or ascetical practices of our faith. Instead, it comes from the way we treat others, by showing mercy to all and most especially to the poor and needy. Finally, we connected verses 18 and 19 from today's reading to the parable of the talents, namely, that when shown great mercy by our God, we must then show that same mercy to others. Neglecting to do so will leave us with little mercy shown by Christ on the day of judgment. Alleluia.
Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, glory to thee, O God. Alleluia, 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 glory to thee, O God. O our God and our